Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. The first reading is from Isaiah. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All all nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. For merchants from around the world will come to you. They will bring you the wealth of many lands. Vast caravans of camels will converge on you, the camels of Midian and Ephah. The people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense and will come worshiping the Lord. Here ends the reading. Give your love of justice to the king, O God, and righteousness to the king's son. Help him judge your people in the right way. Let the poor always be treated fairly. May the mountains yield prosperity for all, and may the hills be fruitful. Help him to defend the poor, to rescue the children of the needy, and to crush their oppressors. May they fear you as long as the sun shines, as long as the moon remains in the sky. Yes, forever. May the king's rule be refreshing like spring rain on freshly cut grass, like the showers that water the earth. May all the godly flourish during his reign. May there be abundant prosperity until the moon is no more. The western kings of Tarshish and the other distant distant lands will bring him tribute. The eastern kings of Sheba and Seba will bring him gifts. All kings will bow before him, and all nations will serve him. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed, who have no one to defend him. He feels pity for the weak and the needy and he will rescue them. He will redeem them from oppression and violence, for their lives are precious to him. A reading from Ephesians chapter 3. When I think of all of this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know that God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles, As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe in the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in, this, in the heavenly places. 
This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus was born in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, and they stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This is the gospel of our Lord. Well, grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we are officially celebrating Epiphany, the arrival of the Magi to the house where Jesus was staying in Bethlehem. So perhaps in your household today, it is the day when the Magi finally arrive at the manger scene. Uh, maybe they started their journey out in a hallway or another room, and uh, bit by bit they have traveled towards the manger uh, the 12 days of Christmas until they finally arrive at your nativity set and they get to see baby Jesus for the first time. Now I see some heads nodding that yes, that is what's happening at their house, and I've seen that happening in people's houses um, from the congregation. But yeah, we, we are celebrating the arrival of the Magi to see baby Jesus for the first time. Now I have to tell you that we rarely read this particular gospel lesson from Luke on, oh, at weekend worship, and here's why because January 6th falls on Sunday about every six years. And tell you the truth, the last time it did was 2013, and we happened to be in Bethlehem that day on January 6th in 2013. 
but things happen, and with leap years, it can be even more, um, more erratic. So the next time this will happen will be the year 2030. The next time will be 2030, so mark your calendars now, folks, for January 6, 2030. Well, today is the first Sunday of Epiphany, the season of Epiphany, or some people say it's the last Sunday of Christmas. Now, you figure it out. I can't tell you the truth. But it is a time where we do feel, um, we do celebrate a, a light-filled time and a time where we do celebrate God's light coming to the world. It's the time between Christmas and Lent, and it does begin with the day of Epiphany when the Magi come to see the baby Jesus. And the reason why this day is so important is because it is the day we see and understand in the church that the light is for all people. The light has come to all people in all nations and is not just meant for the nation of Israel. And then after this day, we do look and study a lot about the fact that the light has come into the world and that we are also called to be light for one another. So today I thought it might be helpful to talk about this lesson by basically journeying through this text from Scripture and encounter the different characters and the different places and ponder the gifts of those that those characters and places offer to us, bring to us today. So the first characters we meet are the wise men, or more accurately, the magi. That's what the Greek says, magi. And when I say magi, I'm wondering what comes up in people's minds' eyes. Anybody? If I say magi, what comes up in your mind's eyes? What's that? Kings, yes, kings, kings, that's right. We see people with... Um, regal robes and maybe crowns on their heads and maybe carrying boxes that are encrusted with jewels, we think of kings. And I know that's what I think about because I have a lot of Christmas cards at home with pictures on it to prove it, right? I mean, you get those all the time. And we think of kings. But here is the challenge of this image is that a lot of recent biblical research really t um, challenges that idea. And it says that maybe, maybe there might have been some women involved with this little traveling uh, contingency. And maybe uh, the contingency who were traveling was quite large, and maybe they didn't arrive at the stable, but they came about two years later, maybe uh, than we would have anticipated. I do think our views about those um, three wise men is influenced by the carols we sing and by the artwork we have seen over the years. And to tell you the truth, we three kings of Orient are, which we are going to sing later, it's not in the Bible, folks. It's not in the Bible. It's a wonderful and charming story about the wise men coming to the manger, the magi coming to the manger, but it's not in the Bible. So we're going to read that Matthew text a little closer, and we're going to see we have no idea the number. We're going to see that we don't know where they really come from. Maybe it was just Syria. And most importantly, we're going to see that they're not kings at all. Well, there is, um, there is a pastor whose name is Brian Stoffigan, and he writes a column called Exegetical Notes. And in it he says, those who are called wise men 
In our familiar translation, were really magi, which means they were magicians. And they weren't the cute kind that you might... <clears throat> that you might hire for your child's birthday party, you know, with uh, pulls the rabbit out of hat, you know, the scarves out of their sleeves. They weren't that cute kind. They were really rather distasteful. And today we might compare them to a fortune teller, maybe somebody who works the psychic hotline, or maybe someone who reads tea leaves. And actions like these were condemned by the Jewish people. They weren't acceptable to the Jewish, uh, to Jewish standards. So you could say that the magicians were cleaned up so they would not um, be so despicable. And they are, um, it's important to understand that it was kind of distasteful to people that the first people from the outside who come to see baby Jesus are these magicians who are, um, who, you know, who are not thought well of. And they're the ones who get to see the star and come and worship the Christ. So the story has been cleaned up into an idealized picture of multicultural diplomacy. And the three kings were given names like Malchair and Gaspar and Balsasar, as the legend goes. But this epiphany story of the Magi and Herod and the Herod's killing of the innocents reveals a lot about God that we do not want to miss. And it might be important for us to hear and ponder today. The Magi remind us that God has entered our world as it actually exists. With all of its messiness, with all of its imperfections, and not as the world we wish it would be, God came to this world and that's the gift of the Magi, if you will. We can be who we are when we meet the Christ child. We don't have to put on any pretense. And no one, no, nor does anyone else, no facades need it when you come to see Christ. The Magi come because this star invited them to come, and they had the guts to follow it. And we can come as we actually are. No tidying up needed uh, to be embraced by God's love and grace. We can come with our sadness and our sorrow, our happiness and joy, our suffering and pain. Our, if we're feeling uh, ashamed, we can come. Well, someone said to me this week on Friday morning, as I had kind of written the sermon but was still processing it, someone said to me, God comes to a this-is-us type of world. And I thought, what? A this-is-us type of world? But you know what? I understand that. I understand that. And I don't know if you know that TV show. Do you guys know that TV show, anybody? It's really quite a great TV show. <clears throat> but it's about a family that is messy, that is quirky, and that is imperfect. And it's about uh, messy, quirky, imperfect people that they know, and it's about the messy, quirky, and imperfect communities in which they live. But God comes to that kind of world, and God's love surprises people to find God there. And as a pastor, I have witnessed incidents of how this unconditional love does, does surprise people. 
And they're surprised that God's love can be so big and so expansive and so accepting of them and others that they know. And they say, is that really possible? Can God really love me or love them in the midst of what they've done? And all I can say is, yeah, yeah, that's the kind of God we have. Well, our next character to ponder is Herod. And it may seem unlikely to find wisdom from Herod, but perhaps we have to learn something from the dark side that Herod represents. You'll remember that the star led the Magi to Jerusalem and to Herod, and so I think we have to go there too. The story kind of takes us there. I have a favorite poet. Her name is Mary Oliver, and she's written um, a lot of different things that just kind of make me stop and think. But she wrote this. Someone I loved once gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this, too, was a gift. Well, when the Magi arrive in Jerusalem, they ask, where is the one who has been born of the king of the Jews? And, when the, and you know what? Herod is terrified. He is the king of the Jews. He is the one who is ruling over all of Judea. And if you want proof of it, just look at the money. His face is on the money. He is the king of the Jews. But Herod, if you don't know, has been installed by Rome. And his family converted to Judaism just one generation before he took the throne. He has no royal David blood in his body. And now these wise dignitaries from the east have arrived and they're asking about a rival king and Herod reacts and all of Jerusalem with him. Indeed, Herod is rightfully uh, so. He is threatened because Jesus will subvert the entire paradigm of what it means to be king. He's not going to be king like Herod who rules by uh, threats and brute force and indiscriminate killing, and Herod kills his wives, his sons, his friends, just to keep his power. Nor is he going to rule by peddling influence to the Romans just to protect himself. And Jesus is going to be different kind of king because he will um, frighten authorities because he has solidarity with the poor. And Jesus will be the antithesis to Herod because he's not going to be building fortresses to protect himself out in the desert, which would have been difficult for people to get to back then because it's still difficult to get there. He's going to build relationships between people and across boundary lines. He's going to heal all sorts of people, even those some would think aren't deserving. He's going to forgive the sinner, and he's going to stand with the vulnerable, vulnerable when others would ignore them. This character of King Herod challenges us to think about how we use what we've been given, the gifts that we've been given. What do we do with them? What do we do with the power we have? Do we clothe ourselves with fear and simply react from that point in all that we say or do? Or do we, using Pastor Heidi's mirror resolution that she talked about last week, clothe ourselves with Christ and with the good things that come from the Spirit of God which lives in each of us, things like compassion and peace and kindness and patience as we live our lives. What do we do? 
Well, from Herod in Jerusalem, the Magi travel the last six miles to Bethlehem, and I think we could walk that in a couple, um, couple hours. That's kind of my prediction. But they traveled to Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. And so we travel to Bethlehem, too, following the story. And when the Magi arrive, Matthew tells us they find the baby Jesus not in a stable but a house because most likely they've arrived quite a bit after his birth. And as one person suggested, that they traveled to Bethlehem, the house of bread, to find the light which shines in darkness and to who is the bread of life. And then they bow down and they worship him. All is held together for a moment as they see and worship Jesus, who is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And the Magi celebrate the birth of Jesus with joy and gifts because Jesus shows us how close God is. God is right here in our world. And today, our worship space will once again become a house of bread. We will tear bread from a loaf and pour wine into cups, and we will share in communion. And this moment at the altar invites us into the mystery that is God, not in a way that will separate us from the world, but in a way that calls us to become sacramental human beings in the world. We become the house of bread for the world. We receive Christ's body so we can be Christ's body out in the world. Just let that sink in. We are Christ's body in the world. We are the ones. And that's the good news, I think, because Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel, joins his hands to our hands. And we take bread into our hands today, and we're connected with Jesus and each other. But then we go out and just share that oneness of who we are with our community. And I think that connectedness takes place when we help our neighbors build houses, when we walk with our brothers and sisters in Haiti or maybe any other place in the world, when we serve at Taft or Vail, or when we walk with those who are hurting or lonely in our midst, when we share faith through conversation that just is ready to wrestle with each other and wrestle with thoughts, and when we pray for those in need and for each other. Yes, we are Christ's hands in this world, and this is a way that people most often probably experience God being with them. It's because of what we are doing. Well, finally, Matthew tells us that the Magi return home by another way. They take a different route. There's all sorts of speculation about what that route might have been. But in this year, this new year, we may need to throw away the map we've been using for a while, too. Maybe our faith map is going to look a little different. And sometimes I think the life of faith calls us to do just that. We want whatever uh, unfamiliar terrain we will traverse as human beings and as this church in this place, may we continue to look to the star, the light of Christ, to guide our feet and guide our steps. May we do that as we go out. And as we move into 2019, may we also be earnest seekers of Christ like the Magi were. 
those unexpected magicians were. And may we not build up fortresses of fear like Herod did. And may we go into the world filled to the brim with Jesus and Jesus' love in our hearts. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.